Hello, and welcome to another episode of The Real Rant, the place where we like to rant about the real stuff. My name is Brendan McGee, and sitting across from me on occasions is the balded... I nope, can't, uh, bald. It's bald, bearded man. Yeah. The bald, bearded man. Who are you, dude? Matt Herring, and as always, it's good to be here. I'm sorry I keep screwing that up. It's okay, don't worry about You've it. You've made me feel really bad a couple times, because I've done it, and you didn't correct me until recently, so... Yeah, it's okay. It took me a while to <laughs> to understand uh, what bothered me about it, and then okay. I was able to voice my opinions. Well, I'm glad that you did, and I'm I'm happy that we we've we've crossed that bridge. And we're, yeah, we're on the other side. Okay, yeah, that's good. Yeah, we have a guest this week. Do we really? Yeah, dude, she's sitting right across from you. Oh man, and it is a she. Uh, it is a she, absolutely. Yeah, because we she, like she is a she. Yeah, that's her pronoun that she likes to go by. I mean, at least we assume, I guess we assume we never really asked. Oh, thumbs up. Thumbs up. Yeah. We're getting a thumbs up. Okay. Do you want to introduce her with a fancy nickname? Cause she asked for that before we started the show. No, definitely. I definitely do. <laughs> okay. Um, the, wait, I, wait, can I woman. come up with one? If you got one, by all means, the Watland woodland creature of Victoria, British Columbia. Who are you, gal? <laughs> uh, I'm Amanda Watlin. Hello, and it's a delight to be here. <laughs> Dude, how's my nickname? Trumps? I really loved it. Okay, the yeah, w- it was super good. The Watlin Woodland creature. Think of squirrels and Snow White. I'm <laughs> loving. Just walk out. <laughs> just walk out with like like this white gown, and you've got like you know one of those things flower around. Crown. Yeah, like I a try my best to frolic as often as possible. So. You look like a frolicker. Yeah, I, f- I frolic. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I freaking frolic around sometimes. So we know Amanda because uh, well, Matt works with her. And, uh, yeah, we do. But that's why. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Uh, in the bar at our university. And I know Amanda because she listened to me yell <laughs> and scream about film and my perspectives in our film class together. And then we realized that we had similar perspectives on film. And we both yelled and screamed and yapped. Yeah. And, and then we kept on looking back at each other and being like, hey. <laughs> <laughs> Who are you? (laughs) We keep talking over each other in this class. Maybe we should just like talk, you know? (laughs) Maybe we should actually have a conversation on a podcast. That might be a good idea. Yeah, obviously. um, So yeah, Amanda's on the show this week. And we are here to talk about the Merowitz stories, new and selected. Nailed it. Yeah. um, So before we get into that, uh, I'd like to talk before, like when we get to the episode and when we talk about it, I need to mention something about the title of this film Mm. because it's very important to me. And it's quite comical, so... I'm excited. Okay. But uh, on with the show. Let's start with the plugs. You can find me, as always, on Twitter at Brendan underscore McGee. That is B-R-E-A-N-D-A-N underscore M-C-G-H-E-E. Thanks, Mom and Dad. And where can they find you, Matt? They can find me at Matt Herring Live on Instagram and Twitter. It's also Matt Herring Live. They're spelled the same way. And that's Herring like the fish. Because he's a fishy dude. No, he's not. <laughs> oh, Amanda, where can they find you? You can find me on Twitter at Watland, W-A-T-L-A-N-D, 007. That is 007. I'm mainly tweeting very angsty things. That's my normal thing. Nice. <laughs> solid. I'll follow you immediately. Yeah. <laughs> you can follow the show at The Real Rant Pod. Um, if you are a creator of any sorts in the film world, uh, let us know and we can get back to you. And see if we can do a show together, because we love kind of working with creators of the film world, because we've, we've done it before, and we've had a lot of fun. Yeah, it was great. Or, like, any any sort of, like, creator. It doesn't really matter. 
Not, not really, but re- reach out. We'll make it happen. Yeah, we'll, we'll see what we can do. Oh, and also, if you just want to say something about the show and let us know, that, that's that's pretty jazzy, too. So. Yeah. Jazzy. Uh, yeah. I will read the first 25-star reviews <laughs> yeah. on we'll an get, episode. We'll get, we'll get to that. Yes. Um, you can send us an email at therealrantpodcast at gmail.com. Send us something nice, mean, or in between. Or if you want, again, to get in contact us through, if you're like a film creator or a creator in general, you can do it that way if you feel more professional about it. You know, either way. Contact us however you like. Yeah. Or if you're just a person you want to contact us. Yeah. There's matter. our Gmail and you can get a hold of us. Uh, <laughs> you have all the options. Yeah, yeah. You can follow us on Instagram at The Real Rant. We post updates and kind of like sneak peeks of what's going on with the show, behind the scenes shots of us and everything going on in our world, things like that. So that's pretty fun. Would you say, Matt? Yeah. Yeah. Super fun. Yeah. Uh,. <laughs> You know, I'd say too, I'd say so too. Yeah, yeah I'm just too. I'm just making sure if you're awake. That's all. Uh, you picked the right time because I had zoned out hardcore. <laughs> I saw. I saw your head kind of kilt to the other side. But uh, anyways, you can if you're feeling super jazzed up, subscribe to us on the iTunes. But if you don't, that's totally fine. Well, if you want to feel super jazzed up, definitely subscribe to us. It's the ultimate yeah. jazz. Yeah. And if you're feeling even jazzier than that, Matt, what else can they do? Do a backflip? No, leave a five-star review. Oh, leave a five-star review, and I will read the first 20 on the air. Backflips aren't jazz. That'd be really cool if if we could do that. We could could even make that our own show. Like, we could... I know I'm getting really creative and a little bit ahead of myself, but that would be kind of fun. How about we stick with the first 25-star reviews for now, and then we'll move on from there. You can be in charge of that project. How about that, Matt? Well, really, it's going to be our listeners who give us (laughs) five-star reviews who are truly in charge of that project. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's it. I mean, you can fall, You can go to the website at therealrant.com. We've got that domain. It's pretty jazzy. And you can find links to iTunes, Stitcher, Pocket Cast, and Google Play. And for next week's film, we will be actually taking a look at The Avengers, um, kind of basically speaking from the first film and then onward, and kind of seeing like how far they've come. Uh, but we'll focus on the original Avengers film in the beginning. Uh, but yeah. And then also, keep a lookout, we will be doing a bonus episode on a spoiler cast for Infinity War, uh, Avengers Infinity War. So we're super stoked on that, so keep an eye out. But on with the show. Guess what time it is, Matt? Time for the show? Well, I mean, we've already started the show, but guess what time of the show, part of the show. Guess what's happening now? Uh, film of the week? It's the film of the week. <laughs> the film of the week. <laughs> the film of the week. <laughs> Give me the magic sword. Okay. All right, so wow. the film of the week this week. <laughs> yeah, were you not prepared? That was magic. That was magic. I also wasn't prepared. I didn't realize that I had to do it until you started singing. I was like, oh, right. Okay, we're doing this. It's funny. The first time Matt actually did that when he was my co-host was the City Lights episode. Mm-hmm. And he didn't do... He just was breathing. I was like... <gasps> he was like... <gasps> it was very difficult. It's like he had burnt his tongue or something. Actually, yeah. That's probably what that sounded like. Um, so we uh, did this week. We did. No, we didn't. We watched. We watched. That's the proper adjective? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Good. Well, verb. I mean verb. Verb. Yeah. verb. <laughs> the proper verb. Um, we were both like, yes, wait. <laughs> we watched the we film. Be supportive. <laughs> yeah, of my screw-ups. Uh, we watched the film, The Merowitz Stories, New and Selected. Now, we were very, mainly me and Matt, uh, for different reasons. <laughs> I have a couple things to say about this film. It's like pulling teeth to get this to happen. <laughs> not even, not even the film itself. 
I'm not even talking about the film itself right now. Before mm-hmm. we get into why you pick the film, yes. I need to say this off the bat because okay. I feel like it's good content. Okay. <laughs> uh, I actually have a preamble that I think will help your uh, thing, if you don't mind. I don't know what you're going to talk about. I, I think I do, and I think what I'm going to say is going to sound good before what you guys say. Okay, go ahead. Uh, so basically, when we got when we knew we were going to have Amanda on the show, I was like, Amanda, pick any film you're passionate about. Anything. Don't worry. Doesn't yeah, matter. Anything. It you doesn't do matter. Anything. No restrictions. And she was like, great. I'll think about it. And then... She eventually got back to us, and Brandon, go for it. She. <laughs> this is important. That is a good important right? example. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, she picked this film, which is uh, stars Adam Sandler and Ben Stiller. Among others, yeah. yeah among others. That's what I've been trying to tell people. Uh, ben Stiller, Dustin Hoffman, and who else, Amanda? Oh. Don't know the ladies' names. Oh, Emma Thompson is in it as yeah. well? Yeah. She is in it, yeah. Um... Yeah. But the important thing... For Matt's story, the Adam Sandler thing is going to come into play. Yeah, but, yeah, my, but we can get, get to that later. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So my thing was is mm-hmm. I'm very I have I don't have rules for this show, but That's what we, I was told we kind of we kind of have <laughs> we kind of have a structure in regards to how we want people to find us, and it's mostly on how easy it is for to put something into a search bar. So mm-hmm. like. If you're looking to learn about the film Gone Girl, or if you're looking for uh, to learn about the film City Lights, or if you're looking, you know what I mean? Any sort mm-hmm. of film that we've done on the show, if you type in the name of the film, you're able to find us to some degree. We're usually in the top 50, not because we're famous or anything like that. It's just because... <laughs> easily searchable? Nobody it's easy, <laughs> It's the easiest searchable thing. But the problem is, is like, I don't know how to spell Merowitz. And uh, therefore, I felt like we shouldn't do the episode. Yeah, and that was the that's exactly only, what you told me. That was the only reason why I didn't want to do this episode. <laughs> However, I do think it is a bit of destiny oh. that the fact that you were the reason why I watched this film because I avoided watching it by myself for so long. Yeah. I wanted to watch it with somebody. Yeah, and Matt was one of those people. I also <laughs> asked. I also asked Matt. I, I not only asked Matt. I asked Corey, and I asked my girlfriend, and neither of them wanted to watch it. And a lot of it had to do with, here's your segue. Adam Sandler. So here's the thing. I love Adam Sandler. He's one of my favorite people in the world. He's a bit of a piece of poo in more recent years. But I could totally see that this film was not a type of Adam Sandler movie. Totally. Right off the bat. I also knew that it was about a family. So I knew that he wasn't the only character. But the thing is, it's like, it's some sort of trend like DC shoes from high school right now. That, like, it's okay and cool to, like, not like Adam Sandler for no apparent reason. Okay. I have not liked Adam Sandler from day one. Well, that's because you're not, you don't like comedy, so. you're still wearing DC shoes. That's right. And you're still, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, no, it's just, uh, did everybody get that reference, though? Because everybody in high school wore DC oh, shoes. Oh, yeah. Okay. I, I didn't get the reference, but I assumed it was fine. Yeah, it was weird. It's super unoriginal. But uh, basically, I'm saying you're unoriginal. So. Ooh. But, n- but you're not. But you are. But you are. But you are. But you are. That's okay. I'll, uh, I'll show myself out. <laughs> <laughs> Please don't. I mean, me and Amanda can do this by ourselves. But. It's true. Okay. Might be. <laughs> we almost had to. Let's be honest. <laughs> yeah. Do you want to talk any more about how you don't like Adam Sandler, or is that... Like, to no ends, I want to talk about how I don't like Adam Sandler, but we're, that's not what the episode's about. <laughs> it's okay. not. Going back to the fact that I, I couldn't spell this film, I anytime I wanted to find out about this film, I would have to find Adam Sandler first, and then look at his newest films, really? and then click on it, because I couldn't spell it. I guess I so. I couldn't spell it. It's like the word uh, decision. I cannot spell that word, even though I've spelt it a thousand times. But, like, even just M-E, you know? The M.E.? <laughs> it doesn't work. It's not, you know. Anyways, uh, I guess we should probably get into asking why you picked this film. So, Amanda. Hi. As we do always ask, why did you pick this film? I picked this film because 
I watched it. I like stumbled across it because, you know, it's a Netflix original film. Mm-hmm. And I just stumbled across it looking through Netflix. And I watched it procrastinating as usual from a couple of my projects. And I didn't really know. I hadn't heard of Noah Baumbach before, who's the director of the film. And then I watched the film and I was like, this is really interesting. The dialogue is really, as we've talked about a lot, the dialogue is like really just real and it's like enjoyable to watch and kind mm. of be a part of. It's like almost you're like, yeah, totally. I've been in the situations. And so I watched that and then I like started and then I went into like this whole thing of just like Googling Noah Baumbach and like all his other films and I just really liked it and I really liked it primarily because of how who Adam Sandler wasn't in the film. Yeah. And I just thought that was really interesting and I'm a big fan of Ben Stiller and yeah. Well, it's again another film about relationships. Yeah, um, that's true. Although different, different kind of relationships, different dynamics. Yeah, we we've literally had every single episode over the last like five weeks or so hmm. have been about relationships in like a family dynamic, a friendship dynamic, and mm. a loving dynamic, mm-hmm. uh, and a murderous dynamic. If you're thinking about Gone Girl, Oof. yeah, no, this film is a, a good one. Uh, have you? <laughs> Have you seen any of his other films since then, or? Uh, yeah. After I watched this, when I watched Greenberg. Okay, what did you think about that? I haven't seen it yet. Uh, it was very different than this one. Yeah. I mean, like stylistically, you could tell it was the same director, but it was it was interesting. It was Ben Stiller was the lead in it, and he yeah. played just this like kind of depressed guy who is went back to his hometown, kind of one of those like midlife crises, and they like returns back. Um, I really like that one as well. Like you it, haven't seen Frances Ha, though. I know you keep telling me that. Yeah, but I mean, like Greta Gerwig is in that, isn't she? Yeah, she yeah, plays she's in the lead. Green, she's in Greenberg too. Plays yeah. like opposite of Ben Stiller. I I honestly find I I didn't know that Noah Baumbach was kind of like the leader behind all these like really quirky kind of real life yeah. discussion like films, and I find them to be amazing because they just generally explain all of the thoughts that I have in my head sometimes. Oh, totally, yeah. They're like, like it's real because you're like, you're in this certain family situation, you're in this conversation, mm. and he just kind of captures, like, the kind of pauses or, like, the things that people don't say, mm-hmm. and he just captures that. And you can totally see the motivation behind a character and, like, in these, like, di- like moments of dialogue that there's, like, a bunch of miscommunication going on, and, mm. like, you're always like, oh, okay, well, just, you didn't hear what I said that? Okay, we'll just skip on, and that's okay, and that's, yeah, yeah. that's just what happens all the time, and yeah. it's just really well done. But, but we've, if we, before we get too far, we should yeah. probably throw it over to, to Brendan with the synopsis. In New York City, Danny Marowitz, after separating from his wife and sending his daughter off to college, moves in with his father, Harold, a retired college art professor and sculptor. Harold's younger son, Matthew, is a successful financial advisor to wealthy clients. He meets with their father to try and counsel him to sell his home and art, a decision that makes Danny furious. Days before a retrospective art show, Harold is diagnosed with a chronic subdural hematoma. He enters hospital, where as days pass, his children learn to manage his care for themselves. Matthew and Danny get into a bloody fight about their father. Can the siblings put aside their differences and learn to forgive not only each other, but their father too? Find out in the Merowitz stories, new and selected. Hey, thanks, Brendan. That was really great. All right, so kind of going off of this discussion, mm-hmm. I want to kind of talk about what you were saying about the conversations that happen in this mm-hmm. film and how real they are. Yeah. This film reminds me so much of my family dynamic, mm-hmm. like 30 years down the road. Yeah. <laughs> um, that conversation that the brothers have, Ben Stiller and Adam Sandler have, uh, outside the 
the um, art stu- the art thing or yeah, the school the opening. At, yeah the opening at Bard or whatever mm-hmm. Bard University reminded me so much of like a combination of like my inner thoughts put out on screen of all the thoughts that me and my brothers have subconsciously about each other I think yeah like we have like up and down relationships with our parents because mm-hmm. um, we're like kids of divorce and stuff like that and we've had kind of like a crazy couple of years and uh this film is really it really spoke to me that regard like the conversation yeah like it was just kind of like and that that fight that happened i was just like i i could just, i could see myself having that fight with one of my brothers in a couple of years because it's just like i mean not a couple of years but like you know 30 years down the road if shit doesn't actually get taken care of it's just like oh my god like you know yeah well this is a crazy thing like in this like the way they handle like family and the idea that you know like you, you don't choose your family, all that kind of stuff. And so those things that nobody talks about that might kind of just, like, rift between friends and then friends don't really talk, like, they come out 30 mm. years later. And, like, things that, like, I don't know, every family has those things you just don't talk about for, like, years at a time and things happen and then suddenly it's like, oh, it's all out there now. <laughs> I like the fact, though, in this film that they still mention that the film is taking place over a period of, like, a year. Mm-hmm. Um, but they, we only know that through the dad kind of, like, saying... Yeah. Like, you know, I've got a meeting with LJ in like two weeks. You know, mm-hmm. why don't you come? And then it cuts to another character in his interaction with the dad being like, LJ's coming over tomorrow. Mm-hmm. So yeah. you're just kind of like, okay, well, we know that it's been two weeks since that interaction with the other son. That's the selected part of stories. Mm-hmm. <laughs> is it really? <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, no, the thing is, is like, though, that it wasn't even in that aspect. There yeah. were some parts of the stories that weren't like, you know, selected. It was just like, it would cut from one person yeah. to the next. Um, and without a title screen. But most films that involve a family, um, I can think of a couple of films. There was one a couple of years ago with uh, Jason Bateman and I think Tina Fey was in it. I'm not 100% sure. Uh, yeah, it was Tina Fey. The film was called This Is Where I Leave You. And it's quite similar to this film in regards to that. There is an event that happens to a character of a family, a member of the family, not a character. But... Something happens within the family that enforces the need for everyone to kind of get together and kind of rekindle relationships and kind of confront issues and things like that. Um, And this film poses itself to be that way, at least from the trailer. Mm -hmm. Um, But when you actually watch the film, things are just happening because they're happening. It's fragmented. It's really, it has, it has a little bit to do with the fact that it's just who the people are. Mm -hmm. Like, for instance, Adam Sandler's character doesn't hasn't really ever made any sort of money or, nor mm-hmm. had a job which i don't understand how that happens and the other thing is, is he pretty much jumps around couch to couch on his like family members yeah. right yeah so he's kind of a driving factor of why everybody's kind of around all the time at, at certain points like you know why he's going here and here mm-hmm. because yeah. he's there but the main thing i think that leads into the whole film is the relationship between adam sandler and his daughter going to bard university yeah, totally because they have to go to the dad's house and they have that dinner and things like that and it was actually the beginning of the film that i struggled with the most mm. because i was trying to figure out what was going on and then i realized yeah. that they it definitely was, just throw you in there they really do and i and i think a lot of it has to do with the fact that bombback was trying to get you to think about your own family dynamics at a oh, dinner yeah. table to an extreme extent because like a lot of the times you'll watch films like this is where i leave you or right and that film it does something similar but it does it more hollywood like where yeah. everything comes to the front because the film 
makes it so. Yeah. Whereas in this film, it's like nothing's really happening other than a conversation that you generally have. And people are making faces at each other across the dinner table, yeah. Yeah. recognizing what the stump mother is making for dinner. And it's like, we've all done shit like yeah. that, right? And well, it's interesting. I was sorry to interrupt. But no, like, no, no, it's so cool. The dinner scene, it's interesting because they like bring up a lot of different conversations. And mm. like, but there's because it's like, there's no actual communication almost happening. No one's... There's so much is like thrown out there. It's just like literally put all on the table mm-hmm. like oh, dinner. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then like it's late, not and a then... good dinner too. No, That's the it's other not, thing. Yeah. But it's like it's put all out on the table, and so you're just kind of like kind of keeping all these pieces in your mind. You're like, okay, so like that's happened, or like this is kind of the the scenario. Oh, like the stepmom's wasted right now. What does that mean? Like, oh, all yeah, this kind of yeah. I really I really liked the communication in this film because yeah. it was a. Uh... Yeah, there was a lot of there was, well, there was a lot of uh, not communicating yeah. among the family when their relationship was bad. But then you saw among the siblings mm. slowly they actually started to talk, and there was like an exchange of information yeah. and all this. Oh no, it was a nice slow transition to that point. The there's a lot of metaphors in this film too in regards mm-hmm. to the psyche behind how people feel about things. Mm-hmm. And having you saying that about like the dialogue, Amanda, uh, and mentioning the food, um, kind of like not being very good kind of mm-hmm. like the conversation reminds me of this scene where Adam Sandler is taking his daughter out to the curb to kind of like get her to send her off with her boyfriend mm-hmm. to school. And they were like, did you, did you see the fit? Did you see the shark that they prepared? And you're like, yeah, I'm pretty sure it was raw. Yeah. And it's yeah. like, when you think of that term, you're just like metaphorically speaking, they're talking about the conversation mm-hmm. was pretty raw and it was like not well put together. Yeah. And it was just kind of all over the place. This family just reminded me so much of my own to obviously a hyperbolic extent, but not so hyperbolic to the point where I don't see it actually happening. Totally. Like a lot of other family like films that I've seen. Mm-hmm. Um, there's another film too that's called The Skeleton Twins with. Um, oh, I've been wanting to see that. Skeleton Twins with Bill Hader and uh, Kristen Wiig. Yeah. Um, oh, cool. That one's pretty really rough, good. but it's still like a family drama, right? But yeah, I don't know. Like, I just like this movie's ability to bring out um, an essence of a reality at a actual conversation at a dinner mm-hmm. table that felt real where no one was actually listening to each other mm-hmm. it's like when everybody comes home from a long day and everybody like asks people how they were doing just so that the other person could just tell them how yeah. they were actually doing just right the niceties exactly i'm just dying to finally know after all the drama it took to get matt to watch this movie what he rudimentarily thought of it usually we don't ask this question or find out this answer to this sort of question by anybody because it's- we're not film reviewers he was, was not bad. I actually, uh, I liked the character the most. Yeah. However, I still thought that of the main cast, he was the weakest. Mm. Mm. Uh, like all, I didn't at all. Um, of all of all his of all his dialogue, uh, of all the dialogue, I thought most of it was pretty natural. Yeah. And I didn't always feel this way, but particularly the scene outside of the university when he's talking to Ben Stiller, when mm. when Danny's talking to Matthew. Yeah. Um, I liked the dialogue, but I didn't think it was particularly well. Mm. It felt very acted to me, which mm. isn't even negative, but the most of it felt pretty natural. Even bringing yeah. up that conversation just makes me like kind of feel a little bit sad because mm. it's just like that conversation hit me pretty. Like that, I, I know I, I off podcast I said I literally tried to cry in this film yeah. because that scene between them means so much more to me i think than it might mean to you i don't have any siblings that's yeah yeah so like that that conversation i've literally had in a smaller i mean it's more healthier what me and my brothers do Mm -hmm. Uh, but that conversation has some merit in in our world maybe if we were to have held things in to some extent 
Um, obviously maybe not that intense, but regarding like family members and things like that, we've definitely talked that way, but obviously it's hyperbolic, but we've talked in the same generalities of be like, you know, I'm mad at dad or I'm mad at mom. And they're like, I should be mad at dad. You shouldn't be mad at Mm -hmm. mom. Like, you know what I mean? And it's because we all have our own relationships with our parents and, and when they're in a crisis, you don't really know how to react. Totally. And there's always one sibling too, that's kind of on the outs. Yeah. And that was really cool about. Jean. Jean. Jean in this film. What's oh, the uh, actress's uh, name? Elizabeth Marvel. Elizabeth yeah. Marvel. Gotcha. She, she in this film was great because it reminded me so much of a, a combination of all of my siblings at times, <laughs> just kind of being on the outs. Just she's, like, she's definitely one of my favorites. In the yeah. Film. Just like, she's yeah. like, don't forget about me. And yeah. even when her story comes up too, where yeah. she has to... Like, they were like, this is her story. This is Jean's story. And she's running. <laughs> and she's running away. And then she's also like, they tell her her story, but her story is kind of like told through the brothers. Yeah. Like, she doesn't really talk except for that one part in the film where in her story, she mm-hmm. tells about her kind of being sexually assaulted by this older gentleman who shows up at the hospital to visit their dad in the hospital. Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, I thought that was another weaker point of the film. Really? Hmm. Yeah, well, I I really liked the development we were getting for Danny and Matthew, and I was really interested to see what, what they were going to do with Jean, and then her relationship with her father isn't even based on her relationship with her father. Yeah. It's about some weird sexual incident that happened with one of her father's friends, and I didn't think that... They needed to make that dynamic the focus of the female sibling. Hmm. It didn't well, need to be some sexual thing. I guess you could say that because I definitely knew what was going to happen in that scene. Hmm. Like, if you... I feel like the, the reason why I like Noah Baumbach is because he... You expect him to do what Hollywood does in this sort of film. Mm-hmm. Like, that's why we keep bringing up that uh, those other family... Also, did, did he write and direct? Yeah, cool. he did, yeah. Well, I, commenting on Gene's scene, like, I feel... Because she almost has next to no dialogue ever talking with her father. Like, yeah. they don't show her... Like, like when they talk about Jean's scene, like, Jean's story, like, it is completely just in that time. Yeah. It's not spread out over a few, like, with the brothers. And I feel like, while it is something sexual, I feel it's such a small... Like, it is a terrible, awful thing that happened to her. But it, it, at the same time, it's presented in such a small, kind of subtle way. And the way, like, her describing the story, I feel yeah. like, just kind of gives... I don't know, a normandy to the fact that, like, nothing was really said. She was barely even noticed being she there at the time. She didn't get asked. She didn't get asked. It was nobody just, nobody yeah. noticed until she ran away. Yeah. They were like, they're like, even though, like, another metaphor here was the fact that, you know, bring you bring that up is another metaphor to her relationship with her brothers and her family is when there's constantly conversations about, oh, you, like, especially Adam Sandler's character being like, oh, you texted him or, mm-hmm. you know, you're texting my daughter or, you know, you you emailed, you know, Gene. And it's like, he's like left out, you know yeah. what I mean? But in his relationship with his sister, like, and the disconnect that Matthew has, um, Ben Stiller's character with the rest of them and them always saying that, oh, they're half brothers and half sisters and yeah. stuff like that. Um, that part when she runs away, Matthew, Ben Stiller's character goes, is that how Jean runs or something like that? And was like, yeah, that's just the way she runs. And it's just like, it's almost like they're saying like, is this the type of person she is, yeah. you know, to run away mm-hmm. from problems? Like, yeah. is she, what's wrong with her? Like, yeah. well, it's almost like he, Ben Stiller is asking what's wrong with her. And he, and he's saying like, well, what isn't wrong with her? You know, there's a lot of things wrong with her, but it's not our place to ask. And then when they finally find out they're pissed off and they need to speak for her. And that whole scene is just, I mean, like what I was trying to say before you were kind of coming in with that really good point was the fact that 
I didn't like the fact that I knew what they were going to talk about mm. with the old man because I like Noah Baumbach for his his inability for us to kind of like guess what's going to happen next yeah, in the family true. dynamic. Totally. And that scene, I knew exactly what was going to happen. And I was like, oh, they're going to talk about something about her probably being sexually molested by this older gentleman. Uh, I didn't I didn't predict it, but I, f- I feel the same way of just kind of uh, the bar had been set high for the character development. And yeah. when this was revealed, I was like, well... We could have had some unique, interesting development with the father, and instead it's just been reduced to this. Yeah. yeah. I guess I, with the exception of Danny's daughter, whose name currently escapes me. Eliza. Eliza, thank you. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's not a lot of female agency in this movie. No. There's not a what? A lot of female agency. But I mean, I feel like the daughter does. Eliza makes up for that yeah. tenfold, 100%. <laughs> yeah. Um, which, it, that actually could just be a thing about, like, the times being more accepting of yeah. female agency. Uh, but, uh... <laughs> Um, I don't know. I, I always look for female agency. It's one of the things that I find is, uh, a lot of male writers have a difficult time doing. Totally. Uh, however, it was done well. I didn't want, I, yeah. like I said, I really think Eliza's uh, agency was awesome. <laughs> totally good. With the gene thing though, like I find it so interesting in the movie, like regards to how spread out people are. I feel like, like the, the, the way people go to this place or go to this place or like who's going where. I thought it was really interesting that like, Nobody is really paying attention. Jean just kind of always been there. She's like in the background for most of the movie. She's just kind of there, and like she's mm-hmm. like like people talk about talk with her and stuff. But the fact that she runs away and then her brothers have to follow her yeah. in order to get that story, I thought that was kind of like a really she symbolic like, way to she, like she like pulls and's like no, like this is me talking about something. Well, she wasn't even expecting no. them to follow her. No, and the part where she tells the story, yeah, she's like. And this is something that I've heard from a lot of women, but saying that they've gone through not like that exact similar experience, but gone through some sort of experience like that and them having to deal with it themselves. And that I think is really hard for, I mean, generally males don't have to deal with this sort of thing Mm -hmm. on a daily basis statistically. I mean, at least as far as we know, have to deal with this sort of, you know, situation. So like, I mean, I'm I'm not, I guess I'm not speaking specifically to pedophilia and things like that, but I'm, I'm saying like... People, when they go through this stuff, especially women, um, they they try their hardest to take care of it themselves. Mm-hmm. From what I'm understanding, uh, from other people I've spoken to, and and they and they cope with it, and they see people if they actually do need to. But I found out that like some of them actually don't, and they try to just deal with uh, with it on their own because it's it's hard. I don't yeah. know. Mm-hmm. And and then in this scene, when this scene happens, where they tell her, or when they when they when she tells them about what had happened to her when she was a kid um so yeah i guess it is a child pedophilia i don't know what you call it or whatever um but um they are like wanting to hug her and take care of her and she's like no leave me alone like yeah i've I've gone through this like i don't i want to move on but i don't want to forget see what i mean and it's and it's her strength it's almost like i admire that strength in that person but you can't help but feel that like man what if someone else helped her with fight those demons and mm-hmm. stuff like that? And it's almost like her brothers were reacting more out of themselves because they, because they wanted, they felt bad because they weren't there. So they were more doing it for themselves than they were doing it for her. And I totally. think her not accepting the hug from them, like exemplified that. Which yeah. Was, I couldn't agree more. Yeah. Uh, that being said, I've actually come around on this a little bit. Cause I realized that a lot of her, that is about um, Jean being minimized and that, that sort of stuff. But then Eliza gives her her agency back. 
yeah. in the end with the films. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I love that Grin, relationship. Grin, like in the most recent five or six films. Yeah. Well, I mean, you, you can see it's it's one of the few times Jean is clearly just like tickled about yeah. just like being happy. Yeah. And the fact that she got her hair cut too. It was oh, so yeah, cute. Yeah, yeah. That yeah. was one of my favorite storylines. Like, like, oh, I was texting with Eliza. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, I love your shirt. Oh, cool yeah, hair. Yeah. Oh, I'll get it too. Yeah. <laughs> like she felt like she was somehow getting to be a part of the relationship. And, I can, and it's funny that you guys are talking about all this stuff now because there are some things that I noticed – and there are some things that I didn't, and mm-hmm. it, it's weird how how meticulous I feel like the script was written, mm-hmm. um, and how like intentional everything in this film was, and like how you can see so much of the other characters in the singular focus of the dad, and how the, like the stubbornness and the over repeating of the same jokes and the over repeating of the same you know mentalities of not going to see a doctor even though they can clearly see that there's a problem. Yeah, like do you know what I mean? Yeah. And and. Like, I've seen that so many times in my relationships and conversations that I've had with my friends and their relationships with their families. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, yeah, we're just stubborn people because that's what happens when you're a family. You just kind of have to put up with each other. I don't know. I've said this before, but you really don't get to choose your parents. No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's an interesting thing. I My dad is actually an artist, too. Mm-hmm. And so I thought that was a kind of a funny element for me in my personal relating. And I mean, obviously, very different relationships. But just the idea when Matthew says, like, oh, I, I work with artists. Like, I, I know their temperament and stuff. Because he mm-hmm. mentions that at some point with his dad. And like I was like, yep, that's definitely a thing. Like, if you have <laughs> a yeah. person in your family who's an artist or, like, just lives in that kind of zone, it's a very different relationship yeah. than others. I don't know how much we're going to talk about this, but I thought the idea of bringing up the fact that every time there's any sort of like confrontation that resorts to a yelling, it mm. blacks out and cuts and moves to something more pleasant. I don't know. Like, it's just very new and it's a weird feeling. Like, it's almost mm. like we want to forget those kind of like frustrated feelings that we go through. Oh, yeah. And then just go back to something that feels better to us. That and there, it's definitely supposed to be so that things are left unresolved. Well, you know, like you're, you're, still, so you're still left at that. Yeah, that peak, and then you just, yeah, oh my god, that's so cool, because they edit it, it's almost like the editing is, the editing process is involved in the process of them getting over their issues, Mm -hmm. and because the the, the hard cuts change, I don't know if you noticed, to a a slow, glided crossfade into um, near the end, I don't know if Mm -hmm. any of you noticed that. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, we get all these hard cuts during a confrontation, but then there's sometimes confrontations or frustrated points, like namely the situation where Adam Sandler's character is basically I mean I felt like he was saying goodbye to the dad for the last time I don't mm. know if that oh yeah you mean at the very end there yeah the, the very end, end. that I was, was such an interesting cut like uh, mm-hmm. camera work on that one it was just like him being like I'm done I can't do this anymore yeah and it was really kind of like because as far as I could tell he was the one that was trying to live up to the dad's potential the whole time definitely yeah and he even showed it in his walk like yeah like he his his strength and his trucking on was shown in the way he walked around and like he was physically injured but he still walked around beside his dad despite his you know his issues and mm-hmm. things like that and then finally he got his hips fixed and it's mm-hmm. almost like i can't do this anymore and it's like when his hip was fixed well yeah because it's, it's like a uh, dustin hoffman's character uh waited until the problem got too bad to yeah. do anything and then he, it's like his, it's like Danny realized, oh, I can't wait until this problem gets too bad yeah. to deal with it. <laughs> it's also interesting how Adam Sandler is almost, well, I mean, I guess Gene and, and uh, Gene and Danny both kind of have like their similar relationship with their father being obviously on the outs, but how you mentioned like it is, was weird how Danny really didn't ever have a job 
like it's he was just the stay stay at home dad. Yeah, I was but gonna like say they they briefly touch on it, but yeah. But fully compensating for like just his shitty relationship with his father, trying mm-hmm. to be the absolute best relationship with like Eliza. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah, like he's the one who kind of like you could, seems to get the brunt of it mainly because he has like. Um, that comparison with his brother, whereas, I don't know, they try, kind of che- treated Gene, like, very differently than either than both the boys, as that usually happens. But, yeah. like, Danny kind of had that, like, he was trying so hard and never got anything from his dad. Whereas, and he like, when he became a father, he was, like, giving everything to Eliza and stuff. Let's so, let's talk about the restaurant scene. Ooh, yes. Oh, yeah. So, this scene... I just wanted to talk about it because I work in the food industry, and so do you guys. As do we all, yeah. And also, my dad is kind of like this guy in this scene, where like he'll notice somebody doing something kind of like because they feel like they need, like they're taking advantage of the situation. Power. Like, like a, their power. Like role. it's a power thing, yeah. yeah. So in this scene when the... <laughs> dad, if you're listening, <laughs> and you've seen this film, which I don't think is actually going to ever happen... <laughs> But if he does, hey, I love you, dude. Uh, but um, in this scene, there there's a, two people sitting next to Ben Stiller and Dustin Hoffman, and they and the gentleman is like putting all his things on the table and like the, slowly, yes, yeah, slowly over time. But it's happening quickly though. Yeah, and the <laughs> slowly but quickly. Well, the dad and then the, but it's happening because it's the dad is asking the son questions. But the um, dad isn't paying attention. Oh yeah, nothing to the conversation at all. Well, neither of them really. Yeah, yeah, not at all. But I think that I think that Ben Stiller is doing that intentionally because he's trying to prove the point yeah. of how his dad isn't listening to him. Yes, and I've done that with my dad before mm-hmm. in in different <laughs> ways. In different ways. Love you, dad. Uh, yeah, <laughs> but it's not like my dad always listens to me. But there there have been times. I guess it's more like with my mom at times. It's a combination of the both. Oh, but there you test the limits. You're yeah, like, yeah. What if I say this? Uh, yeah. Huh? <laughs> yeah exactly so it was like when i was a kid for instance i used to say damn and then my mom would be like what did you say and i said i meant beaver dam and i'd see how far i'd get with it you know what i mean but no in this scene i love how the dynamic works in regards to the dad can't pay attention to any sort of thing that the son is saying because he's just so focused on power moves yeah and the the son is like energetically con- like talking about you know something that you know was going on in his life and he goes like like the the dad he uh, like in the middle of the conversation there's a quick cut of him saying do we need another ketchup and the son goes what do you mean and he's like well look and it cuts to the ketchup yeah. there being two bottles he's like gentleman over there just put another ketchup there and the guy puts a napkin down on their table and then he puts his wine and then the dad takes the wine and yeah. drinks the wine and i was like my dad would have done that <laughs> my dad would have done that because dude my dad is to an ex like, I love my dad to death, but my dad is hilarious when it comes to this kind of stuff. But he, like, notices really – my dad's a psychologist. Mm. And he notices when people are, like, being weird uh, in public but thinking they can get away with it. Mm-hmm. And my dad is a complete, like, I'm not going to let this person get away with it type of person. Like, very Larry David about it. Mm. Like, I don't know if you've seen Curb Your Enthusiasm. But the scenes where people, like, do the stop and budge or the stop and chat and budge. And yeah. they try to budge in line. Like, I specifically remember when I was a kid – being at a water park in Mexico City and there was no one in the water park but this woman budged in front of my dad and I getting up to a slide that only had us and them in line what and my dad raised a scene about it and was like excuse me and he was like run son run we need to get in front of them now and it was like why and he's like because did you just see that they went underneath the loop in front of us up ahead and I'm like 
yeah, I saw it. It's not a big deal. And he's like, no. And like, so brazen. My dad. It's so brazen. (laughs) It's so brazen. Uh, You know what's funny? Apparently in travel guides, the one thing that is consistent about Canada, they're like like, every, everywhere else has like, you know, warnings about the country or whatever. Canada, apparently the only consistent warning is don't, budge in lines <laughs> yeah canadians are real sticklers about oh, that apparently. really that's like yeah. that's an international thing apparently uh-huh. yeah. we, well i mean it's true if, if somebody if somebody yeah. gets ahead of me in line i'm like um excuse me the back of the line's back there it's definitely you, the worst you, thing you could do but do you know the the other thing is the thing is is we're very much not about okay so i've been to other countries around the world and the proper term is not a line but a queue and uh especially in the uk and the thing about when you go to the uk and you spend like a lot of time there and then you come back to canada and you realize how inefficient we are with our lines oh yeah and how like we're such sticklers as you say about our lines and how you shouldn't budget them we don't know how to make them yeah like have you been to a bus stop in victoria british columbia and seen how dysfunctional it looks <laughs> So brazen. So you can, like, it's funny because we're relating with the dad in the scene, but at yeah. the same time, it's like, when he does, it's like, really? It's still on, it, but it's like a hyperbolic situation, yeah. you know what I mean? And well, I mean, the thing is, the difference between, I think, uh, what Dustin Hoffman's character does and what we're talking mm-hmm. about is that uh, we're talking about a choice somebody makes yeah. to influence our lives negatively, where Dustin Hoffman definitely thinks the guy is making a choice. Yeah. But I think the the moment that proves that the guy is just kind of passively in this conversation with this woman and doesn't really know that he's putting stuff on the table is when Dustin Hoffman dr- drinks the wine. Yeah. Because if he was aware enough about his objects and their locations to... Totally. Know that, then he would have uh, made a scene when Dustin Hoffman drank his wine. I think we should not disregard the fact that the guy was being a dick, though, in general, because he's so y- being a very man man about it, trying to, like, you know, I don't really spreading. believe in man spreading because I think it's complete bullshit. Mm-hmm. Like, I think that, like, a guy's got, you know, gonna have to use, he's, just... he's got, he's got his box and tackle and his fishes, fish things around his crotch right he's got a penis and balls essentially what i'm getting at i I don't i don't think that the quote-unquote man spreading i do is has anything to do with the boys but (laughs) oh okay but i'm saying but i'm i mean i'm saying that i don't think it's a thing but i'm essentially saying that men are generally take up more space than women do it's not intentionally seen as a power move but genetically it's kind of just a thing that we tend to do uh, subconsciously because we become accustomed to it, I feel, to just take up more space. And that is just like whether or not like society wants to be okay with it or not. So I definitely think that, yeah, though the guy wasn't conscious of what he was doing, subconsciously he did. And I feel like there was an L... And I'm not saying that he knew he was doing it to Dustin Hoffman's I don't think he can be subconsciously brazen, though. No, exactly. I, I, don't, I don't think you can subconsciously be an asshole. I think you can. Well, no, because that... In my opinion, it involves some degree of choice and, like... Yeah. And like culpability. You know, culpability, exactly. But it's yes. not... It's choice based on perpetual, continual... Act like doing that such Ooh, thing. It's a big deep topic. Like I feel like <laughs> I feel like that guy in that thing. He's like, yeah, maybe he didn't 
consciously recognized that he was doing it in that scene. But who's to say he hasn't done it to a point where he's normalized his own movements to a point where he can just take up more space because he's a no, dick. I, I just I just took it to, I took the moment to be more about Dustin Hoffman's character. Oh yeah, than for me too. Because he ends up being a dick too when he realizes with the jacket thing. Oh yeah, Dustin yeah. like Harold really had his jacket the I'm whole not, time. Yeah, that's that's so good. I'm not getting away from that point, but I am a little bit like like father like son. Yeah. I get frustrated when people do oh, yeah. shit like that. Oh, I do too. Because yeah. I'm just like, you know what I mean? Like, come on. Like, there's no way that you don't know what the fuck you're doing. Like, mm-hmm. you know, and maybe this guy didn't. Whatever. Not a big deal. But at the same time, you're just kind of like. You know what? That's fair. If I were in this situation, I'd be ex- I'd be exactly the same way about, um. Would you, guy, would you bet, drink the guy's wine? Uh, probably not. Uh, I would. Well, but <laughs> I probably, I've definitely been in situations where I do just want to be brazen, though. <laughs> Really? Yeah. I would have drank the guy's wine because I would have waited for him to respond. I would have loved it. Num, 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 num. I loved it. I would have loved that and been like, oh, yeah, well, your wine was on my table. So, I mean, is it mine? I don't know. (laughs) Like... Mm-hmm. You know, so I don't know. Does anybody want to talk anymore about that? <laughs> that was a real rant moment. <laughs> real rant, real rant. No, I like the scene. I liked because it, how it goes at the end. Like Matthew is like originally like upset with his dad as he's doing these kinds of things. Yeah, but then it's it's funny just because they go to three restaurants before they, they actually. Yeah, sit that's down. another good point to talk about. <laughs> but the thing is, like, how he kind of gets sucked in to his dad's absurdity in the whole thing because mm-hmm. you know they they chase him down and like while the guy is like a bit of a bit of an asshole in that respect he uh the fact that he ends up getting mad at him even though he doesn't have his jacket i thought was like a really funny yeah like, that was like, you're, that like was so he, good. and then at the end they walk away from this and he's mad at that guy not at his dad at all i wanted to talk about because you were talking earlier about the the camera shots and like the the cuts they had with like the yeah if you want to talk about that i thought it was interesting because near the end they cut they changed that up a lot for every introduction they have of people um you know how like they have at the beginning like danny's trying to park his car yeah, like, yeah a little yeah. bit of script so they have lots of those introductions, and then for the introduction when it comes to, like, Eliza, she was, like, talking about her new boyfriend, and then they have, like, this kind of, like, mini rom-com scene of them, like, running around. Yeah. I just thought, like, there's a lot of weird, weird camera elements and, like, things they did near the end, like, as the movie progressed. That shot reminded me a lot of, like, Lady Bird or Francis yeah, Ha. Yeah, totally, yeah. Yeah, like, that sort of, like on the go let's go on an adventure type yeah. of thing but really they're not really going anywhere they're they're not really going on like a super big adventure but mm-hmm. you know they're the the very last camera shot of danny when he's with his dad and how he's when he's that scene when he's saying goodbye to his dad yeah when he's like they i love you like the way the camera like comes in and like does the really dramatic zoom like oh cut yeah, zoom. yeah yeah that, i thought that was like so out of the blue but it mm-hmm. also like worked in a way do you feel like that might have been for like dramatic effect but also for people that don't understand because they weren't paying attention to what Maybe. he's doing like this is like this is what's happening right now like pay yeah pay attention like pay attention this. this is probably danny's last interaction with his dad yeah mm-hmm. and like because it, it is a monumental moment because he's the one who definitely gets dragged the most yeah that's why he's yeah. got a limp the, yeah uh that, Ooh. that uh that and i also think it was meant because uh they went, went with the extreme close-up yeah. Because uh, Dustin Hoffman's character wasn't... They really wanted to portray, portray that he wasn't meant to hear it, nor did he hear it. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. And just if he had the full shot, it would appear that that dialogue happened normally. Yeah. Oh, and also, I think this is this reminds me of another thing I was going to say. A while back, when we were talking about Jean, yep. um, just the idea of, of her getting past it and how things are, like, in the past. Mm-hmm. And, like, there are so many things that, like, I don't know, I feel like everybody has with their family, with their parents, or with people that are older. You're like... 
there's nothing really to talk about more anymore. Like, or like there's this things that you like build up to a certain point, but it's like, it's just putting up with people. It's just putting yeah. up with people. And at that point, like they realize that like all of the kids go through their process of just like, I just, this isn't going to happen anymore. Like <laughs> there's nothing going to come out from these interactions with our father. Hmm. At, like, and yeah, as sad I'm, as it is. <laughs> I've definitely, yeah, I can relate to that yeah. to some extent. <laughs> yeah. But not like I could see it becoming a thing like down the road. Um, I think that, yeah, that shot with Danny, that close-up thing, is just really meant to make us really understand that he's actually not coming back. Because mm-hmm. there is an essence of the fact that you feel like if they had just made that shot of him saying it in a close-up, maybe you would have felt the same way. But the dramatic of the shots, the cuts, I mm-hmm. feel like it's meant for you to be like, it's exclamation mark in a whisper voice. Yeah, like, not I'm not home. coming back. Yeah. Please just understand this is the last time I talked to me. Totally. I didn't understand why the hell he slammed the cookies on the floor. Yeah. I didn't get that part because I don't understand what really set him off. Uh, I think that was just uh, he's done doing things for yeah uh, for his dad. Mm. So that was just him smashing the last request. <laughs> and yeah. that makes sense because cause the nurse goes, he goes, I'm leaving. I'm going to L.A. And he's like, and he looks at the guy, he looks at the nurse and he goes, are you going to be here? He goes, yeah, man. And he goes, all right, I'm gone. <laughs> I'm good, yeah. <laughs> he's, like, he's like, I'll clean this up, don't worry, but I'm gone. <laughs> it's almost like the nurse, it's almost like the nurse totally gets what the guy is doing. Oh, no, like, I think like, it so, almost yeah. like Oh, like always in that kind of hostile family situation. Yeah, I can imagine he's like, yeah, I've seen this shit before. Well, I mean, yeah. the second uh, Danny says, oh, I'll take care of the plate, the nurse is like, great, and leaves the scene. <laughs> yeah, that's so true. That's yeah. so great. We want to talk about two more things. And the first thing I want to talk about is the hold the idea of holding on to something that you're not really using anymore and you're holding on to it mainly because you feel like you have a connection to it even though you really aren't like don't at all it's just memories having that connection but you feel like you should as well yeah like feeling like you remember the situation where you use the thing is is difficult for someone to let go of like i still have t-shirts that i went and made with my friends that don't really fit me properly anymore but i hold on to them because i remember that i got them in that m- moment yeah. but really they're just taking up space mm-hmm. like my girlfriend went in my closet once and she was like why do you have all this stuff and i was like well uh like i couldn't answer it and a lot of that had to do with the fact that like i was like well maybe one day i'll need it she's like when are you ever gonna need all this and i'm like and this meaning like you know, just trinkets and things like oh, yeah. that with memories and things like, you know what I mean? Just like garbage to anyone else. But people have that connection, though, to like places they live. Do you know what I mean? Like and this film, the big part of the 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 connection to things is the place where people lived. And um, I love the response by Adam Sandler when they're talking about selling the house uh, yeah. of the dad, Harold's house. And Danny's like, they they go why do you why do you care so much about us selling the house you barely lived here growing up and he's like i don't know and he's not yeah. saying and he's saying it so quick that it's almost like i don't know because um like i don't know why i care that much but it's also like i don't know meaning like i don't know why i have these feelings about this thing because it's all kind of negative feelings mm-hmm. yeah this, i like that scene for that reason too like it's and it comes up again too it comes up later with ben stiller's character when um like they're i think they're out in the yard or something like that like they stick around and they're they're talking they're, they're outside the art place and they're talking mm-hmm. about sticking around and and staying within the family and things like that or and selling the house like why do you want to hold on to the house like ben stiller lived in the house more than gene uh and adam sandler's character did so it's just like 
you know, why why are we going to stick around in the house? Why right, do you care yeah. so much? And it's because almost like Gene and Adam Sandler's character care more about the house because it it, it encapsulates their their a relationship they could have with their father or could have had or mm-hmm. could have had with their father. Whereas like to Ben Stiller, it's just that, a house. that relationship wasn't good. Exactly. Like well, I've never before you jump in. I've never like I've moved a lot mm-hmm. in my childhood, like a couple of times. And I've never, ever felt like I really need to stay in a place. Mm. It's just more of the idea of leaving makes me feel uncomfortable because I'm like, oh, crap, like I have to leave mm-hmm. and then moving into a new st- space. But even with the last house I lived at, I didn't even look back. I was just like, mm. I don't even care. And a lot of that has to do with trauma and things like that. But it's yeah. just like, I, I don't need to live here anymore. I need to move on. It's like, you know what I mean? But I could see that some people like might have that based on relationship, but... Well, I think with like with the house and and looking at Danny and Jean and like their kind of weird or unexplicable connection that they have to it. If you look at like the relationships they had with their father, like obviously Harold gave all the attention to Matthew, and so in a way, like I mean, while there are issues that Matthew has with Harold, like talking about he's like uh, he's always trying to show him up or he never listens to him, and that at the same time, like he he gave Matthew the most attention. Like, they, he had a childhood. He had attention. He had a father relationship, even if it wasn't great from his perspective. And he moved up and out of that. Whereas I feel like Danny and Gene are kind of, like, more as they were, like, kind of trapped in those in those. They're trying boxes. to hold on They're to it. They're trying to hold on to it because, because they didn't get the, those experiences mm-hmm. with their father. They didn't live with their father. They yeah. didn't have any of those things. And so, like, Matthew's trying to, like, he had that childhood and he's trying to move on away from it. He's try- He lives further from everybody else and like is doing his own thing whereas gene and danny are just trying to get something they never got yeah and they never even had a chance to do yeah yeah matt do you have anything to say about that no that was really good (laughs) (laughs) all right uh and the last thing we want to talk about uh amanda the ending yeah you want to talk about the ending i thought it was a strange ending i did too i didn't get it i had to wait until matt had watched the ending well i thought i thought it was a it was a strange ending too just because if you look at the way, like, when, wait, going way back when they are all kind of saying goodbye to Harold and, and Eliza comes and visit his, visits him and she has that kind of, like, like just seems, like, really upset, like, it's her grandfather. And it's weird. Yeah, that actually segue real quick, but it's weird to note how, like, how the dot like the granddaughter yeah is really connected to them whereas totally. the kids were it's almost like the kids were being told how and all the things that they need to say to their dad because yeah. they think he might die yeah. and they're just like taking it like whatever like yeah. it's something they have to do yeah. and then when they run away like the granddaughter's like saying goodbye to the dad as he's dying or whatever they think he's dying they like pull her away like it's not a big deal right now we need to <laughs> we need to run away um sorry but i mean well the thing the thing that i kind of got out of the ending was um, just going so like the the relationship that Eliza has like with her grandfather seems like really emotional and, and close and then going to the ending when she's like looking through the art mm-hmm. and like looking for this lost piece that they had kind of mentioned a few times like at the Whitney they're like oh like is it even there like it might be lost and they're not really sure about that where Harold's like oh no they definitely have this piece of art like it's somewhere it's cataloged somewhere um, and I just thought like the way like there was all this kind of reverence to her finding it and like seeing like oh this is this is it this is this my grandfather's kind of legacy this is a thing that he was in like in this art gallery and is a big deal and stuff and what i kind of got out of that was the idea of like this piece of lost art was was a fabled thing we're not even sure if it's still there yeah but in the end it has this kind of momentous um impact on her and i kind of related that just basically to how harold is in all their lives and in the way that like he's there 
but is he there? And like, is there that full interaction with him? But at the same time, at the end of the day, like, as we all kind of realize with our families, like they're in our family and they made us who we are today, whether it's good or bad. We don't get to pick our parents. <laughs> we don't get to pick our parents. And yeah. so like just that that kind of reverence that you do have or like people say you should have <laughs> like older generations or certain family members for just basically what they are, good or bad. Necessarily. Yeah. I didn't get the ending uh, <laughs> until Matt watched it. And then you talking about it makes me feel bad. like it's just more of like I totally forget. I didn't even. I'll be honest with you, I don't remember them mentioning that, that lost piece of art. You mentioned like twice. I yeah. know. I, that's, and I think that's why I didn't pick up on it. I mm -hmm. didn't get it. You're like, what is this? What, what is this thing? And I thought maybe it was like, at first I thought it was like a time jump and they were looking at a box with his ashes <laughs> or something. And then I was like, nah, that's not it. That's too weirdly non-Noah Baumbach. Like, yeah. you wouldn't do something cliche like that. No. Um, but, you know, whatever. Uh, and then the other thing, I was like, okay, maybe it's art or something like that. And they're coming to look at it. And I was just like... I was just kind of like, okay, well, what does that mean then if it's the art? And it's like maybe like – I wouldn't even say it's like it, – it's just people moving on and some people having a hard time letting go. And I think that the, the granddaughter maybe can't let go of that relationship with her grandfather even though she knows how kind of terrible it was for her father. Mm. Like it's weird, like it's weird in retrospect how much her, the grandmother uh, – the granddaughter has like – Eliza has so much of like a passionate like – connection to her grandfather when she sees the struggle that her dad has with her because yeah. obviously her dad and her have had a conversation about the kind of shitty relationship they've had there's no way that the dad like her dad uh, adam sandler yeah. hasn't gone on rants mm -hmm. in the non in the non-new and selected edition of this yeah. kind you of can't story take that on i think like she has her own relationship and and like they always talked about how I mean, despite, like, Danny was overlooked as a musician or as an artist in the family, but she was, like, the the, the talent or, like, she's up, to, up doing this and up keeping the legacy that was their their father because... Yeah, th this... that's kind of uh, my take on the last yeah. scene is that uh, uh, she never knew the version of her grandfather that ruined uh, the lives of the generation before yeah. her. Um, Do you think she's trying to figure it out, maybe? That's she, well, what... she, she's I trying don't... to understand it, and it's it's uh potentially like her great art influence in her mind is mm -hmm. this man that she never met and that's really uh the fact that he's a different person is actually kind of brought into the point of uh gene's character when they mm -hmm. meet the guy with dementia he's literally not the same person mm -hmm. did that thing to gene and now dustin hoffman's character isn't the same man who was uh the man of the Meyerowitz stories um and finding his art is for her as an artist would be a way to find him, and that's why she says, mm -hmm. "Oh, this is him." Yeah. When she finds it's that made box. to look more epic than it actually is. I feel like, like I, I thought it was just an interesting idea, just to make it seem so epic. But it was, like you said, like a minor kind of subplot that they like, yeah, like, yeah, just pretty woven mundane. in there. But at the same but time, then it, maybe it, it drives home a certain point that maybe you didn't look at. And yeah, maybe maybe it's supposed to be insignificant intentionally, though. Maybe yeah. it's supposed to be overlooked because it's supposed to symbolize kind of like the actual art yeah. of the family like the dad being overlooked the son being overlooked like everybody kind of being overlooked if they aren't the actual like if they aren't danny yeah yeah it, ma I mean? it made me wonder if eliza was the or one not telling... danny but matthew yeah that's, oh yeah you're right yeah. um it uh made me wonder if eliza was the one who was telling the mayor with stories yeah mm -hmm. yeah well i i like the point you had just about the idea of her 
grand, like Harold was a different person mm. with his kids and with all those things and how he was kind of a different person to everybody he had interactions with. But it's like that, that I feel like that idea of how you are literally a different person from 10 years ago yourself. That's just what happens all the time. And the idea that that's why families have such, uh, like convoluted and different difficult difficulties because you have this idea of this person in your mind and then they change or like 10 years go by but you never leave like your family always stays together and people yeah. are changing and people are are doing all these things and, and they're trying to reconcile like oh what you were a kid or you're at this point or you were this kind of person in my life and yeah. and like it, it just is it, that's where you get those tensions where it's like this worked at one point or this was like this at one point but it's different and I feel like that's kind of brought up in the film a lot how they all had these past relationships with their father and it's very different now but just because of the way it happened they can't let go of that or he can't let go of those certain elements mm -hmm. yeah yeah all right well i think that ends our conversation of the merowitz stories new and selected great pronunciation yeah i don't know i, <laughs> I like the way the new and selected part is in brackets and yeah it's kind of like you know because I didn't really understand that, actually, until somebody started saying where it was actually, like, selected stories of that family dynamic. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, an anthology piece. Exactly. what you're seeing. Like, it's just yeah. little pockets of... But how did you think we did, Matt? Uh, we did awesome, as we always do. Yeah? What about you? How do you think we did, Matt? This Amanda? fantastic. I yeah? Time. Yeah? Awesome. <laughs> I think we did cool, too. Or we did awesome. Sorry. <laughs> we did cool. We did some real cool there. It was real jazzy. So, as always, we like to give a arbitrary review on the film, and it is a way of us Ooh, trying to be satirical. Ra <laughs> Ranger, I'm sorry, but you can't be a part of this episode. Um, maybe next time when we watch Air Bud, but... Oh, there right, you go. But right now, Classic. this is my show, and I'm sorry. Anyways. You know, uh, there's actually, there's a there's a line in the contract that says dogs can be podcasters. Mm. Or no. there's no line that says a dog can't put <laughs> <laughs> But anyways, um, I would give this film, I just want to go first, yeah, but go I would it. give yeah. this film one of Eliza's films, and then a half, and then plus, sorry, not a half, but <laughs> plus Pagina Man. I see. <laughs> I am Pagina Man. <laughs> I know Brendan's Halloween costume. Oh, yeah. That would be funny. <laughs> Matt? Uh, I would give hmm. this film uh, one stranger than fiction out of Will Smith's entire acting career. Will Ferrell's? Damn it. I'm going to do that from the top. Uh, I would give the... Uh, I'm leaving give... that in. No, please edit it out. Um, I would... It. <laughs> uh, I would give this uh, film one stranger than fiction out of Will Ferrell's entire acting career. That was a good movie, though. Yeah. Oh, I love that movie. Okay. Oh, that uh, makes sense. I don't get it. <laughs> uh, it's because I don't like Will Ferrell movies, and I liked that movie, and mm -hmm. it, it is the sense. same thing with Adam Sandler. So, Amanda, what would be your arbitrary review? My arbitrary review would probably be for this film uh, two uh, bowls of shark soup. Oh, very good. Yeah. That's um, raw. Raw. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, like a little more well done. I'm yeah. a shark, personally. But, um, yeah, I really liked it. And that brings us to the end of another episode of The Real Rant. I just want to say thank you very much, Amanda, for being on the episode. It has been an absolute pleasure. And I'm surprised we have not had you on sooner. So... Thanks yeah. for having me. I had a great time. <laughs> That's Just good. Just sitting back, being all comfy, yapping for a while about movies. A <laughs> jam. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, Amanda, hmm. one word that you'd like to say before we sign off? Just one, though. Just one word. Potato. Matt. Pagina. <laughs> and scene. <laughs>